Who Ate My Cake, an all-things career podcast, helping you do work happy. Here on Who Ate My Cake, we're tackling things like imposter syndrome, FOMO, the role of money in our career choices, and your relationship with work, so that we can be in the driver's seat and not fear. So what's our bottom line? It's about crafting careers that fit, so you can do work happy. Who Ate My Cake and All Things Career Podcast is brought to you by HD Career Consulting, where we help you find work happy, as well as CC Content, here for all of your online content creation needs. Today on this episode, we will be discussing episode four, Are You Burnout Bulletproof? What is burnout? What does the science say about burnout? And what can you do about it? We just want you to know that the information and opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and educational purposes. Any reliance on this information that is provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. Now that the legal jargon is all out of the way, let's get to listening. Hey folks, Cassie and Bree here. We just wanted to thank you for listening to Who Ate My Cake and All Things Career Podcast. You're listening to episode four, Are You Burnout Bulletproof? I'm Cassie. I'm Bree. Let's get started. Well, hello, friend. How's Cassie doing today? Good morning, Bree. Cassie's doing good. Awesome. All right. So this is our first early morning episode. We have coffee. I don't. Do you have? Oh, I have, you don't? I have blockchain amino acids. Oh, that's right. We were talking about uh, getting our hustle on first thing in the morning. So I do have coffee with protein in it. All about that self-care and your amino acids. Blockchain amino acids. Yes. That's supposed to be good stuff. I don't really honestly know what it is good for, but it's good for stuff. Uh, we'll get a nutritionist on on here and then they can tell us all about it. We know it was good for someone. <laughs> They're going to be like BCAAs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So today we're talking about burnout. Oh, yeah. So literally was on uh, LinkedIn last night. I was putting out all the, you know, working on our outline and it's so timely that the Forbes like just shared an article about burnout like at 930 when I was wrapping up at 1130. So we couldn't be more on point with this topic today. Uh, you and I were chatting a little bit about that, trying to figure out maybe why that that's the case, except for that maybe we might have also experienced burnout in our life. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I I feel like... Uh, well. The time of the year that we're in right now, January, uh, is is pretty common for people to really start thinking about burnout, and they start reflecting on what they did last year. Uh, start looking at their W twos, how much they got paid. Oh yeah, for the reward for all the burnout they experienced. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the emotional drain that comes with holiday season. And then uh, setting all these ambitious goals in January and just feeling like you can't do it all. Like a lot of it just hits at once, it seems like, in my opinion. It sure does so. feel like that sometimes. Um, I think, I think, yeah, it's all of those things. Looking into our research, uh, definitely some of those things. Some other things, but definitely some of those things for sure. So um today what are we talking about we've already talked about what we're talking about let's go into some of the details um what is burnout you found a really good definition from uh the world health organization actually so i thought that it was really interesting that they have an icd code and if you don't know what icd codes are uh they're they're used in health organizations to 
bill your insurance basically uh so it's they're describing like what the the clinical definition of what you have is and so the clinical definition is a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress and it's not being successfully managed essentially is the gist of it so it goes into energy depletion uh mental distance from your job increased negativity um and then um my favorite which is reduced professional uh, efficacy oh yeah yeah yeah. so efficacy being uh what you believe you can do about different situations so it kind of goes into like this workplace hopelessness essentially yeah and and your sense of control yeah around it um yeah so 7500 employees were surveyed by gallup in 2018 Uh, and out of that one out of four workers felt like they were burnt out most of the time where half of them, nearly half of them said they felt out at least felt burnt out at least some of the time. Mind blowing statistics, right? It's kind of scary. If you think about it, that's a scary statistic. Yeah. If you have ever wondered if you're experiencing burnout, um, whether or not it's even possible or realistic, I think there's some professions where they do a lot of education around what that looks like. Helping professions, for example, um, they tell us up front uh, the importance of self-care because burnout is a real thing for the workforce, for those working in helping professions, nurses, counselors, teachers. Uh, Some of the other professions, though, I don't know how much they talk about it unless it's like this big, huge chronic issue where it costs a lot of money to train their folks, get them in there, and then they turn around and they fall out and have to fill backfill with new people. So um, burnout's a big deal. Um, it touches every aspect of our life. Um, mental health, personal health, uh, our th- ability to think. Um, there's three types of burnout. Um, I found it a couple of across a couple of decades. Um, some talk about it from a like more of a scientific perspective, like physiological, psychological, cognitive burnout versus others have put more of a descriptive name on it. Um, This is not the word that was used. Um, It said lack of interest is basically the burnout type, but I would describe that as disengaged burnout. So you're, you're not challenged, you're bored um, versus uh, what was the other one? Oh, do, 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 do. Did I not list them? Oh, I did. Overload and worn out burnout. So overload, you have too much work. um, And then worn out, uh, you've done too much. Uh, And so those are kind of two versions of the three types of burnout that we can experience. Found those on initially through a couple secondary sources and walked it back to their primary source um, on some psychology websites uh, to get more information. So like we go to work with burnout already, <laughs> like whatever we do, we're, we're experiencing burnout at home because we're managing a lot of different things, uh, sports and schedules, appointments, school stuff, or, you know, a couple of, uh, of, uh, external bodies beyond our own, in addition to like running a house smoothly. And so there's like all these additional responsibilities, uh, that you take into any workplace that you're dealing with. Um, and so like when you're comparing who's being coached to manage this, you know, you see it in education fields, you see it in nursing, especially, right? Um, But it's interesting to me, because it is getting a lot more attention. And I wonder if it's because some of these different industries are becoming more gender diverse. Possibly, um, we should look into that and see, I think, um, also by nature, uh, our, when you're in a dual living situation, um, 
whether you're women like us or some other gender, right? Um, really like somebody, if you have kids or you have parents to take care of, or maybe even you have friends that you take care of. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if you have friends to take care of, right? If you're like the helper in the, in, in your community, um, you're actually at higher risk for burnout. And why is that? Because one of the major components of burnout is workload overload. And so when they talk about workload overload, cognitive overload, physiological overload, it's not just like tasking on like a work thing. It's tasking on things period. Right. And so, um, it's, I think it's important to, to, to realize that burnout isn't a specific identities entitlement. It runs across multiple identities. And I think more importantly, it's connected to those who love to help. Mm. Like that's the common denominator. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, uh, an excellent insight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, helpers, man. So we're really susceptible to being burnt out. And so, you know, you can get lucky and end up in a profession, a helping profession that teaches you how to better manage burnout. Uh, and, or, I, I mean, really, I think you're on your own after that. You got to think about going to a therapist. You got to like maybe fight through it, suffer through it a little <laughs> bit. Um, you know, but we need to educate ourselves on that. We also, I think as helping professions or helping people in general really struggle to consider ourselves in the equation and that, um, adds to the increased risk of experiencing burnout. So I found this really cool presentation. It's by Dr. Adrian J. Hines through the Health Services Research Development Agency, which is a government agency. And it just couldn't be more perfect. It was great. She had it all put together and it's some of the stuff I had written down for notes, but then she kind of pulled it together with some resources. So it was pretty cool. Um, and she gives the definition of, of basically that burnout is chronic stress and it's, and sorry, burnout and stress, chronic stress are highly correlated, right? So if you're super stressed out, it's probable that you might be experiencing burnout or you're at high risk for experiencing burnout. Um, risk factors. We were just talking about risk factors. What are your thoughts on this? I have some notes written down. Um, well, essentially, I mean, once you start experiencing burnout, uh, you're you're going to have a high level of dissatisfaction in whatever you're doing. Uh, if it's workplace oriented, you're you're not going to be happy with what you're doing at work. Uh, you're going to avoid making decisions. You're going to avoid doing the job itself. Um, you're going to get tired. You're not going to sleep well at night. Uh, you're going to want to. I don't think like it's like it's kind of a chicken or the egg syndrome. It's like what came first? Uh, you're you're tired <laughs> from being stressed out, or are you tired from not sleeping? Um, but it's just one of those things where either way, you're you're not getting good sleep and you're not feeling good about the the work that you're doing. Yeah, that's one major um, signal. Uh, you're not sleeping at night uh, at all, or or rarely. Uh, and other factors can, can include like lack of support, whether it's in the work environment or in your personal community, um, you're struggling to be supported. Uh, you also, there's some mindset stuff attached to it as well. You are maybe have a predisposition to being a perfectionist. Uh, you struggle with inadequacy. 
Uh, and another one, which is really interesting, which kind of explains a lot of why I went through my burnout phase, which I never thought about me with all the end of my career in higher education as it being described as burnout. But after I did this research, I was like, oh, well, maybe that's exactly what was going on with me. Like I was clinically burnt out. <laughs> yeah. And it was burnt out for different reasons. It was, it was actually, I'll get into that. But um, anyways, career enmeshment. So we've, I've talked a, a couple episodes back about career enmesh, enmeshment. Um, the way that it's described here in her summary of this information is that um, it's, a strong connection to your own identity of career. Like they're so connected. Like you, like I am this name of job and this is who I am as a person. And it actually is a major risk factor for predicting whether or not you're going to burn out. So um, it's funny because culture uh, and engagement strategies for organizations to keep you in, to keep you going encourages a strong identity connection to the field and to what it is that you're doing. Like it has to be connected to your purposes and values and all of those things. And yet it is also means that the more um, serious they are about um, those engagement components, getting you um, to drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak, and you drinking the Kool-Aid means you're actually at higher risk of being burnt out sooner rather than later. Um, that's interesting. I wonder, I wonder how that works in terms of like a supportive work environment, you know, cause there's so many companies where I can think of where, uh, I've worked there and there, there's this whole tagline, like I am X, Y, Z company, you know, uh, like it's, it's part of their branding. It's part of their marketing, uh, in, in terms of attracting talent essentially. So it goes into like, uh, do they have healthy, like, okay. So lack of support is a huge one. So you know, couple these things together, right? Um, you have high identity connection with your organization, with your profession, with the people you serve, right? And then you have a really poor support system. Um, you leads to that thing that you were telling me about. Um, remember you were telling like moral injury. What was that stuff yes, that you were looking yeah. at? Yeah. Uh, it was talking about medical professions and uh, there being a difference between standard burnout and then moral injury in relation to the the deep psychological damage that you experience at work when you're not in a position to really fully do what you're there to do. Yeah. So like totally makes sense, right? Like I'm to I'm all in, I'm, I'm uber motivated. I've drank the Kool-Aid. And then every time I do exactly what you tell me I'm supposed to do, I don't, there's not the support there. Uh, I get shut down. Uh, I get told, well, you just can't do that because there's just not enough, right? And you can only withstand that so many times before you're like, well, why? That's not what I got here to do. You told me I was here to do these things. And now you're tying my hands behind my back. Like, I want to do the thing. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, no, calm down. <laughs> yeah. That was just, that was just in theory. We're not there in practice yet. Right? <laughs> Usually. Um, <laughs> Um, and then you couple that with like, um, so I'm, I'm hypothesizing right now of like how these things kind of weave together. So that feeds into, you know, even if you were a little bit insecure in what it is that you're doing, um, you become extremely insecure and you have a whole bunch of inadequacies, right? I'm describing my entire experience right now that explains everything. <laughs> 
Um, oh, it's then- a moral epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and then, because you you're feeling inadequate, you get the compulsion to want to be more perfect because whatever you were trying wasn't working. So you've got to tighten up the ship, right? Yeah. And then it's this gross, gross cycle. Oh gosh, I feel like I'm gonna post like a like a like a you know how I did that Venn diagram of like apathy, empathy, sympathy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do the same thing with with this cycle <laughs> because it's, it's like all right there right now it's it's the uh it's the um the burnout downward spiral <laughs> right that just keeps going and going and going yeah so um mind blown right now even with all the reading i was doing i'm sitting here talking about it and i'm having all these revelations which means uh you you can't just like think about are you burnt out you really got to talk to someone <laughs> um right because yeah like there's there's just so much that I don't think you're aware of until you start saying things out loud or you start putting it in writing and you really start examining your own experience with it. Yeah. So um, in these risk risk factors, there's individual components and there's organizational components. Um, and so they feed each other. Uh, and the imbalance between the two or the inequity between the two or inequality between the two um, really, really exacerbate the issues. Um, another thing that's interesting I found, um, autonomy, right? One of the number one, it's not always the number one, but in the top few of all things that are important to us as adult workers is autonomy, right? We're like, we want to be paid good and compensated for our worth. And we want autonomy to be able to make some decisions, right? How many times have you had your knees cut off when they're like, oh, yeah, you, uh, we want you to be able to make decisions. And then they come in and they check everything you do, right? I got a different opinion on that. Like autonomy is great. Yes. Um, but I, I think of it in terms of like situational leadership where sometimes people need more handholding. They need more support. Uh, and so like how that autonomy kind of rears its head, that need for it um, depends on kind of where you fall in the situational leadership map, essentially. Um, and if you break that down, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. So, um, that's a really good organizational perspective. It's also a really mature way of looking at what autonomy looks like. Um, it's interesting because in a lot of the surveys, when you ask about what adults want and need, they ask for autonomy. Uh, and the challenge with autonomy has to do with the supervisor's ability to properly facilitate autonomous opportunities, right? Uh, being able to diagnose them and make sure that they're, um, preparing, setting you up for success, um, and partnering with you to participate in that autonomy instead of, you know, having some perverted version of our autonomy, which includes, I could do everything and I do all the things all the time because that's what I do. Right. And then you get burnt out because you're literally doing everything with no guidance (laughs) (laughs) or support. Because yeah, you yeah. literally made uh, very clear that you didn't want the guidance to support because you knew exactly what you were doing and you didn't yeah. need it. Um, yeah. And I think we should totally have an episode on autonomy and uh, talk about its application with the situational leadership model because it can be really effective if you're interested in trying to solve that uh, quandary for yourself to leverage it and, and gain access to things that are going to blow your career wide open. So we're going to put a pin in the autonomy piece, but know that we're going to circle back to that and dig into that deeper because it's definitely something that's really important to us. And we know it's important to you because it's been surveyed and uh, uh, we'll get more into that. So uh, 
What else are we going to talk about? Oh, my experience. So I kind of like weaved in and out of it like a little bit. I just like had my experience epiphany like in the description of it. What about you? Uh, I was kind of having it as you were talking about that. And then I was kind of going into the situational leadership piece because I was thinking I've experienced burnout at different levels in different workplaces for different reasons. And part of it was because I was <laughs> running with it. And I was like, I thought I knew what I was doing and I didn't. And I had like very limited supervision. Um, and so I started to kind of do what you were talking about where it was that downward spiral. And I was like, am I doing this right? I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing this right. And then I would get a little bit more fried and that perfectionist need kicked in. Um, but there have been, there have been other workplaces where I didn't have any autonomy and I, I, I had some very high demands and on what was expected without the means to actually get there creatively or, um, in a way to be just, you know, super industrious. They're like, Oh, you need to work and you need to get this done, but you can't work overtime. <laughs> you know, so it's like these different, different parameters in terms of, um, different times that I would feel, start to feel the burnout, um, but for me, it, it I, I start to notice it when I'm I'm getting very very disengaged. Like I start distancing myself, distancing myself from the workplace. Yeah, um, for me, aside from just like kind of coming full circle with this uh, and just understanding the the mechanics of it all, um, mine was definitely more physiological at first. Like I was unable to sleep. I was super stressed out, everything like worried. I was constantly worrying about things. I couldn't, you know, I was always bringing work home, which is one of the symptoms. Right. And, um, you couldn't unplug. I couldn't unplug. Yep. And, um, anytime I had a big project, I was so compulsively obsessed with making sure everything was perfect because I didn't want any of the balls to drop because I very much was experiencing like the moral injury component. Like I think the result of all of it is, is that I really did have a moral um, injury that I experienced through my burnout process because there, um, some of it has to do with, again, my mindset, um, my idealism, my, uh, predisposition to perfectionism right? My tendency to people please, which is one of the, um, factors. Okay. That's a big risk factor right there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and so I, and, 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 and I was so like convicted about my career and how I was going to contribute to humanity and those things were so highly connected it was such a big deal for me that um it just it it raised the stakes um and I wanted to do well because I wanted to progress up the ladder and I was already operating on like a partial tank anyway because I was a new mom and then I became a new mom again and um that was like, I, I came into the game like a few, like I was already like only had a quarter tank. Right. And I wanted to be able to give my full tank. And there was just, I was operating on a quarter tank. And so what happened was, is I ended up broke down on the side of the road. (laughs) You're like, I have a couple of flat tires. (laughs) (laughs) There's Uh, beyond just an empty gas tank. I have flat tires. My battery is low. (laughs) Like my alternator is no longer charging my battery. (laughs) There's all the way major systemic issues. (laughs) 
it was it was nuts because like I I when I initially decided that I needed to do something about it I I kept saying my job is making me sick I am sick and I don't know what to do about it and um it was a really frustrating realization because it I also then at that point had to grieve my career identity I had to grieve what my future expectations were I had to grieve that I failed in some aspects and I'm not a failure and I don't like feeling like a failure. And, uh, my overachiever kicked in and it just exact, like it was just this big vicious cycle. And so like, what do I, what did I do about it? Like straight up, I eventually like I tapped out for a bit, folks. I changed a job, um, tried something different. I started doing some research, uh, to, uh, try to move through whatever the heck I was going through. So what about you? Like, how did you start to deal with it? For, for me in, in the different situations, uh, <laughs> job change has been a major, a major tool for, for managing burnout. And I don't think that that's the best way to go about it because you're not actually learning any useful skills, uh, to help you manage when you are going to be stretched very, very thin. I think that's kind of a component of life in the modern age, especially if you want to do all the things like have a family and (laughs) have, have a, have a fulfilling career. And you're talking about like your career becoming part of your identity. And sometimes parenthood is also a big part of your identity. Marriage is a big part of your identity. And so when you have these very strong, um, identifiable forces, essentially, that are competing for your energy and your time and all of you, essentially, it it becomes very challenging to figure Mm -hmm. out how all those are interweaving interwoven (laughs) together and so I think uh, for me a big part of um being able to 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 manage that and look into how how do I how do I face burnout is uh developing my sense of identity as an individual so mm mm-hmm yeah, turns out there's like there's other stuff <laughs> besides all these external things. <laughs> I love I love my husband. I love my kids. I love what I do, and I love I love being able to do as much as I possibly can. Um, but I think sometimes being able to to kind of center yourself and and recognize that you're a whole person with a, a lot of different aspects is very very important. Yeah, like a complete person with all of these things. Yeah. We, you know, um, and you're talking about identities, some other ways that identity identities can manifest can maybe even be like, maybe you carry a major health issue that you have to deal with. I know when I was experiencing burnout, um, I, there was a bunch of other health stuff going on with me as well. My, my kids were sick a lot, um, because they were little kids and, um, that health component. Mm -hmm. I remember you having a, a lot of uh, a lot more uh back issues oh man to the point like your your body was seizing up on you essentially oh yeah I um I got to the point to where I was sitting at my desk and it hurt like I have a high pain threshold but it hurt so bad that I was bawling because I couldn't sit and I couldn't stand I couldn't lay down um I went to chiropractors a couple times a week I was going to massage three times a week acupuncture it would not let up and um 
some of that was because of the sitting work, but straight up all of the stuff I was reading about last night, uh, that's one of the physical manifestations of being extremely stressed out. Um, and I work with people who sometimes have medical issues that are part of the challenge of, of them being able to find sustainable employment. And, um, you know, you were talking about job changing, for example. Um, if you see somebody who has a lot of job change, like the awareness piece around the fact that it could have to do with some sort of identity piece that they have to manage, right? Their, their ability status, their personal, uh, you know, relationship status, their caretaker status, all of those things play a huge role. And, um, you know, when people are having the hardest time, they struggle to even find a job, let alone keep it, uh, or even commit. Um, I see that a lot too. Like if you're like in the, really the throes of burnout and, and, um, all of these things are being exacerbated, uh, being able to even make a decision, your cognitive, um, abilities go in the tank, man. Um, and so, if you're sitting there wondering if you're nuts because you feel like your decision-making skills have, have depleted or are less than what they used to be, um, it's a very real thing. Like you, a body is busy trying to deal with the fight or flight of the other stuff. And, um, so our thinking sometimes can get really, uh, kind of work us over. Oh yeah. There's some very serious degenerative side effects from having too much cortisol in your body. Uh, for too long a period so or just uh, the the duration of it really does matter like cortisol is great for like what it's for but uh yeah your body's not designed to to have high levels of it all the time yeah and, and i think that's where we operate most of the time is we're like ah we're at a 10 and we're like no we yeah. should we should normally be at like a three to four right <laughs> well and um i would even argue you know just like by having all of these multiple roles we're already at a three or four and so when we add that third thing it seems like in my work, people really operate really well when they have the privilege of dealing with two to three things. But then when they add a fourth or fifth, like they go from always operating at a three or four to running around at a six or a seven. And so then when normal stress happens, they're like a 12, right? Because they have all of these 20. other things, right? And so, yeah. um, you know... If you're walking around and you feel like you could describe your stress as like a six or a seven, like, holy moly, you are in huge risk for, you know, doing nutty things like freaking out on your boss and freaking out on your kids, freaking out on yourself, um, because you literally have like minimal bandwidth to recover from just everyday basic stress, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, in telling that story we did a really good job of covering many of the things we might be able to do to kind of address it. Right. Is, is uh, there anything, it. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else we can cover? Let's take a look here. So we talked about research. That was kind of one of the things that I did as I started looking for something different and commitment level, commitment level. Yeah. Our bandwidth, short bandwidth, trying new strategies. I have a new one that I just, I, I I'm looking at. It helped me get out of bed today. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> um, so I don't know if you follow um, Mel Robbins at all. Yeah. But I love her. I think she's got some awesome stuff. Uh, but she, I, I heard her on a podcast the other day, and she's kind of talking about a brain hack that she uses and it was part of, uh, it was, you know, the basis for her book that she wrote. Um, and so it's uh, whenever you're kind of 
feeling overwhelmed, attacked, or the need to attack, essentially, like you're having this like major stress response, um, she she counts backwards. So she does the five, four, three, two, one, out loud or in her head, um, depending on the situation. But just taking that time kind of changes <laughs> what parts of your brain are activated and it kind of forces you to reset and it takes you out of that emotional response and it allows you to really kind of prepare yourself for a, a more rational way to, to interact essentially. Yeah. So oh, yeah. that's awesome. That's like a behavioral cognitive technique. Um, yeah. And it, 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 I didn't I was going to hit snooze on like stay in bed and close my eyes again. And I was like, Five, four, three, two, one. Getting my ass out of bed. Yeah, and she sprung <laughs> out of bed because the one launched no, her. I, didn't, I, I didn't. I didn't spring, but I, I, I got out. <laughs> right? um, yeah. yeah, I call those strategies like the like tools that allow you to throw on the e brake. It doesn't necessarily keep you from like kind of moving, right? But it takes you, say like you're going 100 miles an hour, you throw on the e-brake, it forces you to slow down just enough to catch your bearing so that you can move on to the next thing, right? Yeah. She was, and it was great because she used it with her husband and her kids and a lot of different things. And so she was thinking about like the first time she used it with her husband, like she was going to yell at him for something and she just counted backwards in her head. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I could use that. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, another one that was shared that somebody, an, a wise, a wise working professional with lots of experience, they were um, Miss Mary. I just adore her. She's super sweet. She's um, this lady that doesn't look like she was a correctional facility warden, but believe it or not, she was. And that was what she did in her career. I know. Isn't it great? A wonderful image. Um, yeah. Hi, Miss Mary, if you're listening. Uh, and she talks about... Uh, is this going to matter in a day? Is this going to matter in a week? Is this going to matter in a month? Is this going to matter in a year? Is it going to matter in 10 years? Right. And as she, it's the countdown method, the incremental countdown method, but yep. from a time spatial perspective. Right. And, um, it, you end up thinking longer than five seconds, you know, you figure a couple seconds per each one. But the, by the time you sort through it, you get to a place of you're like, not only are you assessing your potential impact if you, you know, lose your goat, right? Um, <laughs> but you're being able to kind of, again, pause and give yourself some space to figure it out. Um, and that's not just a communication technique when you're kind of on the blitz already. That's a way to look at taking a look at <laughs> uh, burnout and whether or not that's where you're at, right? Am I having a moment or is this a chronic issue? Yeah. yeah. And well, and it was interesting because like I was thinking about like how our different brains respond to different tips and tricks, you know, like for you, because you're such a storyteller, like it makes sense that Miss Mary's process of kind of going through these little these little questions where you have to kind of walk yourself through what, what will this look like in a day? What will this look like in a week? What will this look like in a month or a year and so on? So I could see where your brain would connect to that type of a process where like mine, I'm just like, okay, simple and quick in, in terms of the five, four, three, two, one, and being able to kind of switch gears. Cause I do tend to switch gears very quickly on. These. Yeah. I tend to roommate uh, a little sometimes <laughs> maybe. Ooh, 
And rumination, that is, I don't know that we talked about that, but if you're ruminating, that's another big sign. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge flag. You're, you're, you have an unhealthy dwelling problem. <laughs> yeah. On <laughs> with the with the issue, right? Like, yeah. you're dwe- like if you are obsessing about it or it's stressing, like it creates stress and it's like the cycle, then you like something needs to be done, right? Um, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because when you're talking about new strategies, I can't reinforce enough that it's important to realize different strokes for different folks. Okay. You're always going to mm-hmm. run around and you're be like, what do you do? How does that work for you? I, I was giving a presentation one time about work-life balance and you want to talk about like split decision on people's opinions about giving information, right? I chose the pathway of saying, what do you do that works for you? Let's talk about that. Right. The other half of the room was like, I came here for you to share your wisdom and knowledge and tell me what to do. Because <laughs> if I knew what I was doing, then I wouldn't have asked, right? And Oh yeah, I know I know that personality. <laughs> <laughs> and I can respect that, but this is what I know as a helping practitioner. I can tell you till I'm blue in the face what works and what doesn't work. You have to own it. And the way that I help you own it is I start with helping you explore what works for you. The second you tell me everything you've tried is broken, that's when I get the opportunity to make a recommendation for something to try. But guess what? I'm not telling you it's right or wrong. I'm saying let's try it and see if it works for you because it works for some people and not others. And as a helping practitioner, my job is to be able to be a resource for you to maybe incrementally try those new things so that you can find the thing that works because you're not sure where to go. Right. Um, in that presentation, they just, I only had, you know, 45 minutes. There was no way I could get through all that piece. But, um, the reality is, is that it's a part of the process to be able to start with you first and, Oh yeah. Self, uh, kind of self-evaluate and then self-reflect because there, there does need to be, uh, an evaluation process where you look at what have I done? What worked? What didn't, why didn't it work? Was it me? Was it the process? Was I not at the stage where I could even do these type of, these small types of interventions? Because some people need, like they need a bigger level of intervention as opposed to somebody else who's like on the, on the cup cusp Mm -hmm. of experiencing burnout. Like that's very different than somebody who's been operating burnt out for a period of time. Like, you need a break. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no, there's no, there's no other way around that. Honestly. Um, like you got to fill your cup back up. Yeah. And you need to s- decide that everything's broken. It's not my job to tell you that it's broken. You have to get to a place of deciding that it's all broken and you need somebody to help you. And that's otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> I was, was going to say, otherwise you will keep going. Yeah. You will and keep going. Going. And going and it doesn't matter. Even though your battery's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, it, it, you will. And, and so, you know, you have to decide when it's broken. And so that I think is a great, I feel like that's so perfect as far as a final wrap up. What do you think? I do like that. Cool. Should we talk about resources? Yeah, let's do it. Nice. So resources. What do you think, Cassie? What are some things people should be doing to deal with this? Um, number one, open communication with their, you know, their direct supervisor, their spouse and, and looking at, Hey, what are my support systems? Yeah. You really, you gotta, you gotta build a bridge there because if 
if you're overworked and burnt out, whether it's at home or at work, uh, really, really looking at, you know, do you need to offload some responsibility? Do you need to ask somebody to pick up some slack for you? Uh, or recognize that certain things just aren't going to get done. And that's like step one. Yep. And, um, sometimes that's, um, the only place that you're able to do that is at work, at which point you approach your supervisor and be like, I need to talk about a redistribution of duties or cross training in another area so we can share responsibilities, uh, be able to, um, kind of self-evaluate if you're working on things that you otherwise maybe shouldn't be spending your time on, right? Like you need to do some housekeeping of your own when you're at work. Um, to decide that you're, fo- like, you know, to determine that you're focusing on really the core impact stuff instead of maybe doing some of this other extra stuff out of, again, the the need or desire to people please. Uh, what else can you do? Celebrating your successes, like in these moments where it's like really difficult to get through the day. Um, my recommendation is always one day at a time or just for today is the 12 step programs talk about is focus on the just for today and make sure that you are recognizing your successes, even if it's an inch that you gain today, um, and celebrating them with yourself and with others, um, trying to practice the mindset of self-compassion, right? Ooh, yes. We are not very compassionate with ourselves. You, you'll you find that you're going to be very hard on yourself when you're not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you are being hard on yourself, you know, one of those things are you need to take a look at what you're really good at and recognize your challenges that are kind of feeding it so that you can move through that. Uh, there's also really just this basic concept of practicing stuff, okay? It's called practice for a reason. Mm. We aren't perfect at it. Um, and when it comes to whatever the issue that's in our way, uh, most likely it's a result of poor habits, um, poor routines, poor fill in the blank, right? Yeah. Well, or even just not right for you. Uh, I, so many people try to put themselves in other people's boxes and it may... You, what you're practicing may work great for some other person. Um, but really looking at how does this work for me and is this really, you know, helping me, uh, is, is a really good baseline to recognize what your needs are because you, you shouldn't try to fit yourself into somebody else's box. Yo, yeah. And I've done that. That's part of my burnout issue. It's like, I had this expectation of being able to pursue career like a single person or, or a person who didn't have children. And wow, it was exhausting. I know people do it. It's not for me. And I'm like done co-signing it. I'm done saying that that's, that is a requirement. Um, I'm going to choose what I, I prioritize and what's important to me. And that includes making sure that I'm a decent human to my kids and my husband, um, my friends and my family. And as much as I love career, uh, I can't be good at that if I'm not good with the people that I care about. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, practicing good boundaries, uh, commitments to self care, uh, doing things like implementing routines, Doing something as basic as implementing a routine that works for you, that serves you in a positive way, can have astronomical positive effects on problem solving this particular issue. Yeah. So, do, you, do you have a morning routine? Yes. So I'm practicing it. Routines have been a real struggle for me. Uh, and we should talk about that in an episode about how hard it is to break habits. 
Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about that. (laughs) What about you? Working on it. (laughs) I think it'd be a great, a great future topic. (laughs) Cool. So probably the last one that we haven't talked about, which is always the one we hammer in just about every episode, hug a therapist. Well, don't literally hug a therapist, <laughs> yes. but therapists, <laughs> they may not, yeah, like, they may that. not like that, um, but uh, <laughs> therapy, okay? Therapists are amazing and they're great to talk about things that have to do with burnout. They're great to talk about other things that are attached to your burnout. Therapists are awesome. The causes of burnout are definitely not an island, so... You gotta, you gotta really think about like yeah. what are all the, the, the tentacles <laughs> of, of your burnout and how right? do they reach into your life and, and cause disruption. For sure. Um, some resources you can go to if you're not in a position to pay for therapy. Um, sometimes companies will have like free services, uh, which are anonymous and, um, you can go into that helpline and they have like therapists uh, available that you can set up with, or they'll cover a certain amount of therapy sessions for you. Are you, are you talking about EAP? Thank you. EAP. Yes. Okay. Yes. EAP. Employee assistance program. And so there were some laws that required that companies establish these resources for their employees. And I think they're pretty phenomenal. Um, but you can typically go in there, uh, search for different resources and they should have them online either through your, actual company website or there should be some sort of an external site where they contract with uh, an insurance organization that provides these services. Yep. Um, There are some certain cases and scenarios where there's some public resources that you can get access to for free. Uh, Maybe part of your burnout is is you're dealing with some grief stuff related to um, life and death things. Um, grief centers have counseling and they don't just talk about, they don't have resources just to talk about the passing of a loved one. It might be dealing with chronic, um, like terminal health issues, those kinds of things, um, to be able to just get with other people to, to, you know, realize that you're not on an Island, um, for whatever it is that you're going through on top of just trying to be a productive adult working, um, city and state and county resources, uh, depending on where you're at on the SES scale, you have access to some of those. Um, there's also some identity based, um, access resources, like based on your ability status. If you have a disability, um, you know, there's the division of vocational rehab, where if that's one of the components, um, that's interfering with your ability to be able to get to work, uh, then you may go to somebody at the Division of Vocational Rehab, visit with a counselor. They're going to learn about your situation, properly resource you to get you stable so that you can get back to work, right? And then they're going to support you in the work process. Uh, What else can I say? Um, Universities. So our local university has a counseling program and they have community resources that are at lower cost because students are facilitating the therapy sessions. Uh, They're being observed by uh, faculty. So it's not like they're just winging it. Um, But that's another way to do that. It's private, it's accessible. um, You can do those things. So any other ideas, Cassie? No, I think I think you you covered a lot of the main ones. Excellent. Cool. Cool. Well, so how are you with burnout today? Because I think we're done with our episode. I'm 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 feeling good. (laughs) I'm I'm in a good spot. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, me too. Okay, cool. So we want to thank you for listening to Who Ate My Cake and All Things Career Podcast, episode four. Are you burnout bulletproof? 
We hope that we have left you with some great tips and information. If you have questions, please feel free to hit us up on the interwebs at www.whoatemycake.com forward slash contact us. If you like what you heard today, you can go to www.whoatemycake.com forward slash subscribe or forward slash episodes to get connected and start listening. Yeah, and we usually preface a lot of our topics with a biweekly newsletter. So check us out. Uh, Fun, fun, helpful work and life tips in there. Most definitely. So be sure to check that out. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening.